Like Eric said, we are starting a new series in the book of Jonah. And before, before we jump into a series about this book, it's really important that I share with... That's just tape. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting like trapped up here. It's really important that I share with you guys there's, uh, some stuff, some context about the book of Jonah because it's a really controversial book. The, uh, the scholars who study the Bible for a living, they, they have trouble agreeing with each other about this book because, uh, I don't know if you know this, there's like some weird stuff that happens in the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah is a prophet. He gets uh, swallowed by a fish and lives inside the fish for three days. And then like some other stuff happens where this plant like springs up and then dies in a day. Uh, but anyways, people have a hard time. Scholars have a hard time believing this. And there's some other factors that are going on. But the, the, the controversy comes down to whether or not the things that happened in the book of Jonah are real. Whether or not we can say, yes, this is what happened. Jonah did that uh, and that, that was real. That was historical. And some people think not. Some people think that the book of Jonah is like, uh, like a parable or like a, a story, kind of like, um, I mean, you, you can make it like whatever movie you want to go see. It's like a fictional story. And other people think that it's a real story, uh, that it's historical. And these, uh, these, these perspectives come down to genre, right? Somebody tell me a genre of literature. Anybody? Hey, my boy over there got romance. Fiction, nonfiction, mystery, you know, sci-fi. Genres, when, when we know what genre the book is, guys, listen, when we know what genre the book is before we start reading it, it really influences and informs what we get out of the book. If I were to watch the movie Star Wars, thinking that I was a historical account of what happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I'm going to think really differently than somebody else who's like, that's a cool sci-fi movie. And so it comes down to genre. Uh, like I said, some people think that the book of Jonah is like a parable or an allegory. Some people think uh, it's called, um, or some people think it's a genre called prophetic narrative. And you can kind of usually pick out prophetic narratives because they usually always start with the word of the Lord came to blank. Okay, and blank is the name of the prophet. And so we're going we're gonna to jump in um, and we will see what we find. And I will leave it up to you guys to decide um, whether or not you think... The, actually, I want to say one more thing about this. I'm taking a drink of water. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why, but what I see um, these, with these controversies is um, usually it's because people have a problem believing in miracles. People say, I can't believe the book of Jonah because that just sounds crazy. I can't wrap my head around the fact that Jonah got swallowed by a fish and the fish spit him back up three days later. And if, if, if that's hanging, if, if you're hung up on that, if you're like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know if this is really making sense. Can I just, I'm gonna, sh I got a little list here of some other miracles that happen in the New Testament. I'm gonna rapid fire through them, but you be thinking about this thing. God does crazy stuff, you guys. God does crazy stuff. And just because he does something crazy doesn't mean we can't say, I, I'm, I'm going to choose not to believe that. Okay, so in Genesis, God creates the universe. Bless you. In Exodus, an entire nation of people walks through an ocean on dry land. In Numbers, water explodes out of a rock in the desert. 
Okay, in, in Joshua, the sun stands still in the middle of the sky for a day and a half. In 1 Kings, uh, a, a son of a widow is raised from the dead. In 2 Kings, uh, iron, like the metal, floats in water, and food is multiplied. In, in Daniel, three brave men survive being thrown into a blazing furnace. So I believe in a God that does miracles. And I, I believe that the book of Jonah has something to say to each one of us today. So with all that being said, uh, let's jump in. Dear God, thank you so much for this time. God, I pray that, that I do a good job of letting these students know your truth. God, I pray that you strip away anything that is from me. I pray that you strip away my insecurities or my pride. Uh, and God, that these students are just left with exactly what you want for them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So it starts off, just like I said, prophetic narrative. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, uh, this happened a long time ago. And so this, this city of Nineveh, this city is pretty intense. Um, I, I tried to think about how I wanted to describe it to you guys. And I just came up with a, a video um, have you guys ever heard of this TV show, Adventure Time? Yeah. Anybody? Okay, so this is from Adventure Time. Um, so just, we're going to watch this clip and just think in your head, this is what Nineveh is like. <laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that show. Um, so basically, that kind of gives you a, li a little tiny picture of how messed up Nineveh is. When God says their wickedness has come up before me, he's taking it really seriously. These guys are stealing from each other. They're killing each other. They're lying to each other, all sorts of really, really messed up stuff. And so, this, you got, you got to imagine, Jonah is like, first of all, like, where did that voice come from? And also, Nineveh, seriously? And Jonah's faced with a decision. He's got, he's got this tension. He can either obey God and go to this crazy, messed up city, or he can not do that. Uh, and he decides, in verse 3, we find out really quick, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. This is Jonah's solution. I don't have to do this if I run away. Now, Nineveh and Tarshish, these things don't really make a lot of sense. Um, until you guys see where they are. Can you guys put the map up really quick? These cities are really, 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 re okay, you're going to have to trust me. They're really far away from each other. Okay, so you guys got an idea of where Israel is in your head. It's kind of on the side of the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, Nineveh is like 550 miles inland. And Tarshish is like 2,000 miles across the sea, like in Spain. Okay, so Jonah's like, I figured it out. If I get on a boat and get as far away from Nineveh as I possibly can, God's just going to have to find somebody else to do it. Sorry. And it doesn't work out very well for Jonah. Um, so, oh, just for context, just for context, this is important. Uh, the trip... 
the trip to Nineveh from where Jonah was, it ta- you can travel about 25 miles per day in that day and age. 25 miles. So if you do the math, that's at least 22 days for Jonah if he'd left right then to get to Nineveh. And not only that, but like 90% of that journey is through Assyrian territory. Assyrians were like sworn enemies of the Israelites. Did not like the Israelites very much. And so Jonah's not just running because he doesn't want to deal with the Ninevites. He's running because he's like, if I go, I got to go 500 miles through enemy territory just to get to the city gates. They're going to kill me before I get in there, even if I, if I even make it there. And so he's not just running because he doesn't like Nineveh. He's running because he's afraid for his life. Okay, so it goes on. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I'm going to pause right here for a second. That's a little time out. Um, some of you might be asking, how in the world could Jonah sleep during a storm like this? And actually, I, this is kind of a bad translation. Um, so just based on the fact, so you've got you to imagine this. Storm is so bad that sailors are scared. Sailors don't really get scared that easy. The storm is so bad that the sailors are, are afraid. And Jonah, most likely, has never been on a boat before this moment. Okay, so he's not used to this whole ocean sailing thing. The better translation of this is he passed out. Okay, Jonah was so freaked out, he passed out. He lost consciousness because of this storm was so intense. And verse 7, or... No, verse 6. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? So he gets him up. He says, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. So then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Just so you guys know what casting lots is, this is kind of... um, like shaking a magic eight ball. The, um, this is the ancient Hebrew version of like divination, right? So they're like invoking spirits. They're kind of using, um, trying to use magic to figure out who's responsible for this. And th- this is like, I don't know about you guys, but this is the reason I don't mess around with like Ouija boards or like spell casting or anything because it worked, you guys. It worked. The lot fell on Jonah and the sailors are like, Dude, what are you doing? You're going to get us all killed. So verse 8, they start asking him a ton of questions. They said to him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you from? And Jonah answers them, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And this is, this is perfect. They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. So I don't know about you guys, but if I was the captain of a ship and some dude 
looks like he's not from around here, shows up and says, hey, here's some money. Can I get on a can I get on with you guys and go to Tarshish? And they're like, why do you want to go to Tarshish? He's like, oh, you know, I'm just running away from God. Um, yeah. Well, I wouldn't let him on. I'd be like, no, sorry, dude. Find, find another ship. But some reason these sailors are like, money's money. Come on aboard, which is stupid. <laughs> uh, so the, the story goes on. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah says, pick me up, throw me into the sea. He replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. I'm going to pause right there for a second. Uh, the sailors, they, they throw Jonah overboard, but do you guys notice that they, they, they try like plan A first, try to row back to land? At first I was like, oh wow, like what great guys. They're so nice. But what, what the sailors say afterwards shows me that they're not really nice guys. They're just trying to save their own skins. Because they're like, God, please don't hold us accountable. We're about to throw this guy overboard. Um, and I know you're pretty powerful, so please don't mess us up. Um, and also I want to say, uh, it says, do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man in verse 14. I just want you guys to know that that word innocent just means that Jonah hasn't been like, put on trial. Right? So they're not saying, this dude's done nothing wrong. They're like, obviously he did something wrong, but we haven't gone through the proper steps to be able to carry this out, so please don't hold it against us. And they throw him overboard. Uh, verse 15, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now, I've only had this moment happen in my life one time. Life, life sometimes storms happen. Uh, one of my favorite um, artists, uh, musical artists, he says, we all have tornadoes inside of us. You have one inside of you, just sometimes it doesn't move. And so we have these storms inside of us, and sometimes we know why the storm is, why the storm is raging. And, and this is one of the main points for tonight, but sometimes our resistance to God's plan is the reason for the storms in our life. And when we make that decision to stop resisting God, the storm lets up. This only happened to me one time in my life. And if it's happened to you before, I'd really encourage you guys to share it with each other in your small group time. That's powerful. The storm grows calm. In verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided, verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, I, you guys got to understand something. When Jonah tells the sailors, guys, throw me overboard. If you throw me overboard, the storm will stop. You guys will be safe. It'll be all right. Jonah does not know about the fish. Okay? He doesn't know the fish is going to save him. 
And I got to be honest with you, when he was thrown overboard and was underwater in these crazy rocking like, seas and these waves, and he sees this giant fish, he's probably not like, I'm saved. He's probably like, oh, are you kidding me? So, like, you might think, oh, wow, it's such a hopeful moment. Oh, yes, God saved Jonah. Jonah does not feel hopeful. Jonah's like, this is the worst day ever. Okay, so this is the spoiler alert. Jonah actually survives this calamity. Um, but the, and this is, this is one of the verses that the scholars like to argue with each other about. It, just so you guys know, um, a biblical scholar is basically just a fancy word for people who like to argue with each other about stuff that doesn't matter. Um, scholars like to argue about this book, uh, about this verse, because they're like, uh, sometime, some, like, have you guys ever heard that Jonah got swallowed by a whale? Anybody heard that before? Okay, some, some, some people think that it was by a whale. Some people say it says big fish. So they're like, what's going on? Um, and then there was like this whole movement in like the 20th, like the 1900s where like scientists and people were like trying to f- figure out like which fish would be capable of doing something like this. And they didn't really find anything. So they're like, what's going on? And I can't tell you for sure what is happening in this verse. But what I can tell you is what the Hebrews would have thought of when they heard this. See, this book was written a long time ago to a people that are very different from us. They have different uh, patterns of thought. They have different uh, frames of reference. And when they hear this verse that the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights, they hear Leviathan. Everybody say Leviathan. We're going to talk a little more about Leviathan next week, but I just want you guys to understand, Leviathan is pretty intense. Leviathan is a crazy, huge sea monster, okay, like a sea dragon serpent thing that God created at the beginning. If you look back at the creation story, when when it says like what God made on what day, one of the days he says he made all the, uh, the fish of the sea and the great fish. And so... The Leviathan is what these Hebrews are thinking. And what you have to understand about the Leviathan is the Leviathan is a symbol of chaos, a symbol of destruction. Okay, you were trained from very early on to be afraid of the Leviathan. People, Hebrews, were like, did not like swimming because of the Leviathan. And so this is the fish that they're thinking, "That, that fish got Jonah. Now, you may be asking me, that's the end of chapter one. You may be asking me, what in the world does that have to do with me today? Like nothing in that story I have ever done, right? I've never casted lots. I've never gotten thrown overboard. I've never been eaten by a fish. And I want to suggest to you guys today that this is actually super relevant for us, right? We've become really good Christians, we've become really good at avoiding, making excuses, distracting ourselves, and running from the things in life that make us uncomfortable, just like Jonah. We expend so much energy to do anything so that we don't have to deal with the real problem. I like to procrastinate. That's what I'm talking about right now. We resist God and jump on the nearest boat headed in the opposite direction. 
Let me hit you guys with some truth. And, and, and really hear this, you guys. You can never, you can never run away from God's plan for your life. Maybe, maybe you guys have been running for a long time. Like, you know you've been running from God. Maybe you've just started to make some decisions where you feel like God's saying, come over here, and you're saying, I don't want to do that. But please, I, I hope you don't have to learn this lesson going as far as Jonah did. Maybe you don't end up in the belly of a fish, but maybe you end up at rock bottom. I don't want you to learn this lesson at rock bottom. I want you to learn this lesson right now. Because regardless of where you are right now, this truth that God is, uh, that you can never outrun God's plan for your life, that's good news. Wherever you are in life right now, because, that's good news because that means God is never far away. God is never far away from you. Psalms 34 says that God is near to the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted and you've been running from God, know that he is near to you. He is right there. The sooner we stop trying to run away, the sooner he welcomes us back with open arms. I don't want you to be fooled. Living a life with God is not always rainbows and unicorns and exciting adventures. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you gotta go to Nineveh. And it's challenging. But I can tell you this, I can promise you guys this. God's plan is always the best plan possible. And you can be sure of that. Let's pray. Dear God, I'm thankful for the story of Jonah. I'm thankful for the lessons that it teaches us about how close you are to us and how impossible it is for us to actually run far enough to get away from you. I pray for these students. I pray for anybody here who's, who's been running away, who's been spending some time saying no to you and yes to themselves. God, I pray that they would cut their losses, turn around, and see you right there behind them with your arms open, saying, give me a hug. I love you. God, I pray that your love would surround these students, that they could stop running. God, I, I know there's some tired, tired hearts, tired souls in here. I'm thankful for your love, and I'm thankful for your plan, because it takes the pressure off of us. All we have to do is take one faithful step at a time, and so I pray for these students. I pray that they can take that next step of faith. Whatever it is, maybe it's easy, maybe it's hard, maybe it's scary, but that they can have the courage in you to take that step. We love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.